This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Back to you is up next, but first take a listen to this other fine OPI show. Quick, Lou, what's your favorite car color? I'd say Lou likes blue. Lou likes blue? Eh, blue's pretty good, but really I prefer silver. But regardless of our color preferences, when it comes to cars, you'll never know what you'll hear on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon. I'm Lou Costable. Join us for the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Silver. Really? Silver? The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Hey, Steve, we got a lot in common now. I've, I've joined the club. You know what that is? Uh, uh, you got a tattoo. No, I want to get a tattoo. I don't have one. I want to yeah, get a I tattoo. Just, I just, I just said that I don't have one either. But I know you've brought that up before. Oh, I brought and I'm it still up a lot for the day. But just, I'm waiting for the day you get it. I'm not comfortable but, uh, right okay. now with the pandemic. But here's the deal: that no. uh, I, yeah, I slapped on a pair of jeans this week for only the second time <laughs> I've had long pants on since March. Uh, I'm glad you put long pants uh, in there because folks would think this is the first time you've had pants on. In months, well, so, I, I, uh, you 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 have had uh, uh, you you have worn some type of uh, outer garment. Not always in recent months. <laughs> Not always. All right, that's a different show altogether. Uh, we'll stick with this one. Yeah, I told you I put my jeans on a few days ago. As soon as it gets uh, to the point where it's just a touch of autumn, I'm I'm ready. And uh, I, I hate to see the summer go because. Uh, with the pandemic, it probably means being left with fewer choices to make, to spend time outside. And I still don't know how they're going to figure out restaurants and cafes and, and things like that. So uh, I'm not looking forward to full-fledged winter just oh, yet. Oh, I'm not either. I'm dreading it to a certain extent, but uh, we'll get through but it. But I tell you what I am going to do. Huh. I tell you what I want to do, though. What? I'm still one of those that, that still does not want to fly. I still want to take a road trip. Now, you know, I, I have taken road trips in the past before the pandemic. I like getting in the car and driving from Chicago. I'll go through southern New England. I'll see my brother-in-law and in, in upstate New York swing through Pennsylvania and Maryland. I like a road trip. So probably more than ever, people are going to get in the car and do something this fall. So I'm I'm trying to figure out my next trip but it will be by car and not by air well me too i i love the road i always have i like driving on a two-lane highway out in the country or an interstate from state to state uh i love the trip and i i love getting there so uh you can see we're talking about cars today with our guests uh before we get to them i was looking up and i i was thinking of all the the hundreds of songs that have been written about the road are about cars and I, I was thinking like a mustang sally do you know who sang that oh boy we're delving way into the mid-20th century now aren't we <laughs> we are uh let's see who sang well a lot of folk, folks have sung it who made it 
popular. I don't know. Who are you going to say? Otis Redding or somebody like... Uh, Wilson Pickett. Somebody like... Uh, Wilson Pickett. I, yeah. I think had the yeah. biggest hit same, with it. Same vein. Yeah. 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 But I think... I, as you say that, I can... I think of the other, you know, I mean, we could go all day just on the music uh, related to cars, but Drive My Car, The Beatles, Fun, 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 The Beach Boys, Little Deuce Coop. Uh, it's because we love cars, and we love having our guests today. They are the hosts of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Mark Vernon loves cars, obviously. Rock and roll disc jockey for years, an advertising executive, and he has, Steve, an Aston Martin and a classic Chevy Impala. Cool cars. I wonder if I could borrow. I'm going to borrow one of them. I don't know which one. Just yeah, yet. well, good luck with that. Good. I don't think you got it. I don't oh. think he's going to give it to you. Luke Costable. Well, I have more, I have more than, than those two as well. So if, if something doesn't tickle Steve's fancy between those two, which it's hard to believe it wouldn't, but uh, there's others to choose from in my stable. So Okay, well, your co-host. That's, that's Lou, what I. Uh, hang on. Let's get Lou in here. Lou's got a Dodge Viper. Uh, which is pretty mm, cool, among nice. others. And the thing that really impressed me about Lou is that uh, his his YouTube network, uh, YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. He's got he's pushing a hundred thousand followers on there, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, welcome to back to you guys. Thank you. Yeah, Mark. Uh, look, Steve, just for the record, let's uh, make sure we understand our roles. So Mark is brilliant. And he puts together the program and does all the research and does all the hard work. Uh-huh. And I come uh-huh. in kind of like Shaq on, uh, you know, uh-huh. NBA Today. I just am there for kind of comedic genius and things like that. I'm curly, basically. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> show, so. Hey, well, Lou, your role sounds sounds a lot like mine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, he, that's he, he does do. a good job. He does a terrific job because uh, I've heard you guys and I've uh, I've seen Lou at work uh, uh, searching for a new find and it makes me think that he has scoured a lot of this country looking for something vintage and something that's got a story behind it so uh, exactly I'm, right. I'm really taking my hat off to that now are, and you're off what's your next uh, adventure where are you going next well uh, as we get off this call today i'll get out of chillinoy and i'll go straight to arizona uh, really to go uh, find some more cars. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, based on the pandemic and you're a little nervous about flying, uh, I'm finding yeah. that the flights are probably the safest place to be. The, they're, they're relocating the air in those things every two minutes through HIPAA filters, and they go through the planes and they basically spray them down. So I think it's mm-hmm. probably the safest mm-hmm. place to be. But I'll go there and I'll I'll look for some uh, some great cars and in uh, probably the Scottsdale Phoenix area. So uh, that's a car mecca for great cars and and uh, lots and lots of fun cars to find there. So for for either one of you, uh, why do we love our cars so much, and why have why has America always loved our cars? I think it's well, kind of like what you guys were just talking about with road trips and stuff. It's just it's personal freedom. It's the ability to just get into your car at any time of the day or night and just drive, whether it's, uh, you know, run to the store to get ice cream or if it's, you know, you're going out to get a bite to eat or you're going for a Sunday drive or you're going on a road trip. It's just the ability to get outside and enjoy yourself and, you know, you can be away from everything. You don't have to have the radio on or anything, especially if you're a car guy, you get into the sounds of the car that you're driving, the way it performs. 
And it's just that something that, you know, a lot of people actually, it's interesting too. I don't want to dwell on, on the pandemic, but since this thing started six months ago, uh, people have kind of rediscovered going out for a Sunday drive in their cars because they're realizing, mm-hmm. look, I got to get out of the house and I can do something like drive my car with either by just by myself or with, you know, your family pod as they're calling it. And you're not going to be next to anybody else. And you can just go outside and let your mind, you know, wander a little bit. And it's really been something that's been really interesting that I think that, and I'm glad to see that people are rediscovering that because people get so hung up on, on their day to day stuff. And it's just, Hey, just get in the car and go for a drive and have fun. You know, I love road trips too. Like you guys, I've, I've been on, some fairly epic road trips in my life and it's just the thing to do it's just something that we've always been brought up on i think in our in our country and we can always remember as kids going on the famous family vacations and stuff like that so that's that's my take on it at least mine's a little bit different mine's more attitude um and, and you hit it earlier when uh mark said you know stop by my garage steve and pick what uh-huh. you like so you know, there, there's a reason why I have a Viper and there's a reason why I have a Ford Explorer that looks like every cop car in the state of Illinois. So uh, <laughs> based on if I want to blend, yeah. I, I drive my white Explorer that basically will bore anyone to tears. And when I want to have attitude, <laughs> then you you bring out the you bring out the Viper. So and by the way, my wife has a, a Jaguar convertible. So she sometimes thinks she's a Bond mm. girl. And uh, sure. not only does she. Not only does she have the look, thank God, but she also uh, she'll slice your neck at any time too, which is always uh, <laughs> keeps one eye open when I'm at the house. You know the thing that I wonder about as we as we talk about these vintage cars and love for cars. There's a yep. new series uh, on, on FX that I just started watching called Fargo, and and in the latest season of it. Uh, t- uh, the actual period of time is mainly in 1950. Now, what surprised me was was how many vintage cars I see on location as part of this series. I just happened to notice that, man, they got their hands on a lot of great looking cars that look like they're from back in the day. Are there that many cars that still exist that you could uh, easily find period cars like that? I think so, just because of the fact that. In the 50s, I mean, that was, you know, the, the ramping up of the heyday of the American auto industry. And they were just cranking out millions and millions and millions of these cars. And, they were, you know, that's before the imports had a huge impact on the sales uh, numbers here. And what they do with yeah. the with movies and TV shows is there's registries. If you have a car and you're interested in trying to to get it into a movie, there's registries and stuff. I believe that you can sign up for and kind of put your car into a, like a database. And then when the producers are looking for cars, they can, you know, look at that list and and decide which cars they might want to use and contact the people. That's the way they do it because there's no way they have these cars like squirreled away on a back lot somewhere and they pull them out when they need them. But um, yeah. but, you know, a lot of people look at, you know, I'm, I'm a student of history and a lot of people look at collector cars as being part of automotive history. And they really are because we're never going to see a car like my 1958 Chevy Impala ever again. I mean, that thing's all metal. There's hardly any plastic in it. The cost to produce that car nowadays would be astronomical when you look at all the stuff that 
that that car has from 1958. So it's just the style, the fins and the chrome and the wraparound windshields and the vent windows and all the cool stuff they had back then that we will just never see again. So I'm glad that there's people that are willing to not only preserve these cars as history, but drive them too, because nothing frustrates me more than people that, you know, trailer a car to a car show instead of driving the thing. You know, I don't care how mm. valuable your car is. It's no fun if you don't drive it. You know, you got to get out there and mm-hmm. you got to exercise it. Cars are made to be driven. That's and well, you got to drive them. You got to have fun. Well, you know, those cars, you're talking about those classic cars. They had character. And, and if you remember, if you go back long enough, like into the 60s, when I was a kid, in the fall, when the big three, when they were going to unveil their new lineup, you really wanted yep. to see what they were going to come out with. And now, don't you find that most cars look the same? They're, uh, you know, people call them jelly beans or whatever, just they're all rounded. And they, they all do that because it's, it's all aerodynamics now. And, you know, <laughs> there was no such thing as designing a car aerodynamically really back in the 50s. They just said, hey, let's do style. I mean, they had the annual styling changes every year. The car would look different. And nowadays you have cycles that run three years, five years, seven years, 10 years even before they do a major redesign. So and I remember that, Howard, like you said, you know, when I was a kid, too, I remember when in the fall when the new cars would come out, I'd say, hey, Dad, let's go to the car dealer and check out the new, you know, the new models and get the brochures and all that stuff. And they don't even have brochures anymore. I think Lou and I were talking about that on an episode of our podcast a couple uh, weeks ago that I don't even know if you can get really like a printed color brochure at a, at a car dealer anymore. You know, it's all but just mm-hmm. go online and, and read about it. So that kind of takes the fun out of it from that standpoint. Hey, hey Mark, I, I'm, I'm going to get right down to business right now because <laughs> I have a request. When, when Lou takes this trip, I, I want him to look for a car that I always wanted and I could never get. My first car, uh, Mark, Mark, no, 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 you're not. No, I bet you're not going to guess it. I know what and it I'll is, tell you, I'll because give you a, I, heard your, I heard you mention it, but I'll let you go. Okay, okay. So it goes back. My very first car was a convertible 1968 Beetle with a sunroof. And I loved that car, but but the only thing about it was I had to put a raincoat and a hat on every time it rained because it leaked. <laughs> it leaked. I might as well have not had a roof at all on the car. But I like. But that wasn't the car I wanted. It was a showroom. A guy had these uh, used cars, but he was specializing in Volkswagens. And the the Beetle was within my price range. I think it cost mm-hmm. me about eight hundred and fifty dollars, which was like a small fortune then. But I could eke out somehow eight hundred and fifty dollars. But the one I wanted was that shiny Carmen Ghia. Mm-hmm. The Carmen Ghia. If I could just put my hands on a Carmen I haven't I rarely see Carmen Ghias. I don't know if you well, two the sporty the sporty Volkswagen. Yes. Let me let me let me help you out here. I I, I heard you say that on, on on your recent podcast saying that you always wanted a sixty eight yes. Carmen Ghia. I'll start with yes. the fact that we my dad had a Carmen Ghia when I was a kid. It was like a sixty two or sixty three. It was light baby blue with a light gray interior, had a megaphone, big mm. chrome megaphone exhaust. I was beautiful car. That that's one car I wish I still had. You know, that from yeah. from the stuff uh-huh. that my dad used to own. Sure. But I found Two 1968 Volkswagen Carmen Gias that are currently for sale online. If you're interested, 
One of them is is currently <laughs> up for auction on Bring a Trailer, and I would not touch that one with a ten foot pole because it basically looks pretty pretty lousy. But there's one for sale, a '68, because there's a lot of Carmen Gias for sale now because they're collectible cars. Um, one for yeah. sale at a consignment place. If you have fifteen thousand nine hundred dollars, that car can be yours. <laughs> Get it, Steve? Now, now here's a here's here's the thing. I wonder, uh, Mark and Lou, how do you trust which car to buy? They they all catch your eye if it's something you've been lusting after. But how would you know? Okay, I'm going to put my money down and get this car, or or, or yeah. I'm not going to touch that one because there's something wrong. How do you how do you make that decision to get it? Well, there's a lot of different ways. Uh, basically, you know, I always like the the hunt for cars when I'm decided on a specific model that I want to get, like, let's say I wanted a six eight Carmen Ghia. I love the hunt. Yeah, I love yeah. looking for the cars online or wherever. Um, you basically have to know what you're looking at. You have to basically know, um, what the car should have as far as an end, you know, the size of the engine and, and the, the features right, and right, things, right. because a car that's 50 years old, who knows what people did with it? You know, um, you have to trust yeah. the seller or buy the seller is the, is the terminology that a lot of people use. You're not buying the object, you're buying the seller because you're trusting them to represent it accurately. There's a million ways okay, to buy okay. a, a used car these days. You can go on auction, you can go on consignment, you can go private sale, you can go through a dealer, you know, you can trade for it, you can go through a friend. I mean, there's just a thousand different ways now, you can now, buy a car. Now, if you or or Lou were going to buy a Carmen Ghia like that, yeah, would you think, hey, I'll spend the fifteen grand, but I'm not going to spend a penny more. I'm not going to invest more in the car, or would you expect to invest more in it? Uh, well, you never know. I mean, I've been actually pretty lucky with. Uh, I, I've bought probably three or four cars online. Um, just going by pictures because they were out of state, like my Aston Martin came from uh, Nevada. And I looked at the pictures. I asked the dealer as many questions as possible. And it was not a, an Aston Martin dealer. It was a Kia dealer of all places. And luckily, I've I've been pretty lucky. I haven't had any like major surprises when a car shows up and it's like, oh, man, I didn't see this or they didn't tell me about this. But I always look at it that any car that you buy used, whether it's even if it's a certified pre-owned car, you're probably going to put a little bit into it. But most classic cars like this, you might have to put tires on it. You might have to put a battery in it. You should always do a complete fluid maintenance, oil, transmission fluid, coolant, brake fluid. Just do all that stuff so you know the car is operable and drivable. And then start driving it and see what else it may need. You know, it's just it's always... Basically, it's still always a crapshoot. You just never know exactly where you may be. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, that's been my experience. Lou, what, what you know? Have you had good luck? I know you bought your Jaguar used. Um, what kind of experience have you had? Yeah. Well, uh, Steve, I, my usual philosophy, especially when it's something that I'm really passionate about, is I would want to see it. Mm-hmm. I, I like to physically see it. I think that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and sometimes that's my detriment, not my bonus, because once you see it, you fall in love with it. Um, but when you see it, <laughs> right. when you see it, you can then kind of look underneath it and see if it looks like it's rusty or not. And, you know, getting the chance to potentially drive it beforehand. So, uh, even let's just say that it's a fifty fifteen thousand dollars car. And let's just say I'm picking this, it's in Arizona. Um, and let's just say that the cost for a plane ticket there and back, I know you don't necessarily want to fly, but maybe this is your road trip time. Um, you know, let's just uh-huh. say the plane ticket is $400. I think that that's a good solid 
$400 investment to proactively see the car. And then if, you know, if it doesn't work Mm. out, then you, you know, you at least got a trip out of it and some experience and you learn, you're always going to learn something when you talk to somebody who has the car, you know, good or bad, you're going to learn something. You know, I'll I'll throw this out there guys and and just leave it. But I, I knew Carmen Gia, and she was really, she was really something. Uh, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for it. Yeah, that was that was too obvious. I had to. Yeah, Howard, you were sharing too. You like the top-down version? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that wasn't that difficult. <laughs> hey, 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 <laughs> Just push hey, one button. It's it's probably all that shorts you're wearing all the time. <laughs> That's it. That's True. where it starts. Hey, I I wanted to get this answer from Howard, but Mark and Lou, if I were a betting man, I'm gonna bet that uh, just for the I don't, I don't know why, but I'm gonna say neither one of you have done this. Neither one of you have done this. I'm gonna ask Howard this question. Howard, have you driven a car with the steering wheel on the right side of the car? On and when you're driving on the left side of the road, like I, they do in Europe, I have. I was crazy enough to do that in the year 2000. Went with my family to Europe on vacation, and I rented a car in London. So, you know, there's no GPS then. You don't know where the hell you're going. You're on the wrong <laughs> yeah. side of the road, or they say it's the correct side yeah. of the road, but you're on the wrong side, and yeah. and you're right. The steering wheel and everything's on the wrong side. So. Uh, I now, I got through it okay. Did it scare you? Oh did yeah, it, scare it was you? it was scary until I got out of town. But then when you get out of town in England, you run into all those roundabouts, and that's yeah. a, that's now, a what, different story. It was difficult. What, what, all right, let me change my let me change my uh, answer real quick. Knowing that you have done this, I'm going to say yes. Mark and Lou have done it. Have no. you done it, fellas? No. no. I was, I've never driven a right-hand drive car. <laughs> I, I haven't either. I've had opportunities to, but uh, I, I looked at it and went, now nah, just wait till it's on the right side of the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, is, is, it, is it legal to drive those cars here in the States? Sure. With the, sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, you can. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, have you have you been on the road and seen that just in passing? Have you seen Steve, a, Steve, a car? Yeah. I have to tell you this. You, you've inspired me. I am on my trip to Arizona. I know someone with yeah. a, a, a British car, a TR3, who would be happy to have me drive his car on the wrong side of the steering wheel. So I'm going to do that just so the next time somebody asks me that, yes. I go, oh, yeah, that old thing? Sure. Yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> I want you to do that, and I really want another results okay. whether right. whether whether now but neither one of you would be that interested in buying one of them right i mean does it you know some yeah some people get into that just because it's different and sometimes it's unavoidable yeah. because like lou said a british car is mainly what you see you see you're seeing more japanese cars come in um japanese right. domestic market cars because they drive on the wrong side of the road quote-unquote too and so do the australians um yeah but yeah. most of the right-hand drive cars you see are british and sometimes if you just really want a certain british car you don't have a choice because you know that's the they never okay. imported them here so you got to take it but yes they're totally legal and i think it's just something you adapt to you know it's just another yeah. thing that you get used to when you own one It'd make it a little it hard to like, like do a drive-through, though, wouldn't it? You know, when you're going to Burger King, get a Whopper. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes, that's, that's another right. challenge they throw in there. Uh, speaking of challenges, uh, I was sitting here thinking about road trips, and and people have talked about 
this for years and we've you know we've had a couple generations go by or maybe more uh since we had roadmaps but that was mm-hmm. another thing that i remember was having a paper roadmap that you got at the gas station for each state you were going to go through mm-hmm. and of course you couldn't you couldn't fold them you couldn't refold them after you unfolded them but uh that that has a sense of nostalgia for me does it you guys Oh yeah, totally. Whenever I'm on a road trip, even though I may or may not have a, a nav a nav in my car, um, I never use navigation in the car to actually give me directions. I just want to have a map up if I'm in an unfamiliar area. Mm-hmm. But I will always, if I'm on a road trip, I'll bring a paper atlas with me so I can mm-hmm. you know thumb through it. Or my my girlfriend would be you know in the passenger seat, she's looking through the atlas and stuff. And even in my in my Impala, I have a I don't think it's from 1958, but I have like an early, I think I have an early 60s roadmap in there for Illinois or Indiana or something from one of the gas stations just for, you know, <laughs> for, for the classic touch. Uh, and, and I think it'd be kind of funny to, to do a road trip in this day and age, only using a map from like 1960, you know, before all the interstates were completed and yeah. things. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I'd, I'd never, I'd never get back home again. Howard, I want to jump in for just a second. It, you're uh, you're hearing me zip up my my, my luggage in the background, but uh, uh, on the show, that's a relief. The, <laughs> I, yeah. I wasn't sure uh, what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I still got you with that top down thing going. Okay, so hey, yeah, um, yeah, back back yeah. to the uh, you know uh, back to the to the show. So uh, on my car story with Lou YouTube channel, many times uh, based on this year, uh, I'm going to people's houses that allow me to come by. I call mm-hmm. you know like a video, and most of the time people will have tons of memorabilia. We talked about the car brochures and things like that on the cars along with the cars. And I specifically call that section of the video, I call it trunk and treats. So instead of going into a trunk and seeing a tire like we have before in a jack, when you open up the yeah. trunk, you never know what you're going to see. So sometimes like the, yeah. the, the last one I did with the guy had a 1963 Falcon and back in 63, the Ford dealers would give you an option to buy a plastic model identical to your car, either a Galaxy or a Fairlane or a Falcon. Hmm. So he had the actual model in still the you know dealer box from 63 along hmm. with the brochure. And when you open the brochure, the, the information was shared to you by the peanuts like Snoopy, Linus, you know, Charlie Brown uh, talking about that Falcon. So. Uh, and some of the photographs, especially like in the 60s, where it was the Dodge Rebellion stage, and you would have these girls in go-go boots. This is what Howard likes, the girls in the go-go boots. <laughs> yes, and then yeah, they would be carrying yeah. a bomb, like like the like you know, physical bomb with the wick sticking out of the top of it. And they'd be sitting in the backseat of a car or something like that. And just some of the photographs and things just really are, are uh, you know, totally unpolitically correct today. But in the time, it was just, you know, fantastic. Well, you guys do a podcast, so you know how this goes. So we're, uh, we're going to take a break here, especially so Luke can make his flight. But I'd like to mention that if you like Back to You, then be sure to check out some of the other fine programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like Free Kicks, Rick Kempfer and Adam Howarth. Dis- uh, discuss all the latest in the world of soccer. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify. 
Amazon, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits, and we will be right back. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Rick, we interview perhaps the biggest star that's ever been on our airwaves. Okay. Okay. Think 70 star. Smoke. Half Chinese. Uh, things that go with Tommy Chong. To Tommy Chong! <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Listen to the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Kimmy. I'm Tommy. And I'm Sam. And on this week's episode of And Friends... Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Yeah, I do. I, I think their early work was a little too new way for my taste, but when sports came out in 83, I really think they came into their stride commercially and artistically. Yeah, I agree. And then 87, when Huey released four... All right, well, I'll save something for this show. Make sure you listen to And Friends on Spotify. Opashows.com. Or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. We are back. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. And we're visiting with Mark Vernon and Lou Costable. They are the car guys. Their program uh, lives on Radio Misfits, as do we. Radiomisfits.com. The car guys report informed automotive with Mark and Lou. Uh, I got a question for Lou and Mark, and I hope you will bear with some of these uh, sort of mundane questions, but they've always been on my mind regarding cars. Yeah. Is it is it pointless to kick the tires? <laughs> Not anymore. Start on that one. Well, you know, that was always, you know, hey, I'm going to buy a car. Okay, make sure you kick the tires. And I'll, for what? What am I kicking the tires for? But um, so you guys have never felt the need to kick the tires. I'm gonna I'm no. gonna I'm gonna jump in for a second. So I'm in Arizona and I'm at a car show, and um, yeah. I'm looking at this gentleman's 1963 split window Corvette, and uh, I said to him, I, I said, "Who owns this car?" And the guy raised his hand. I said, uh, "How do you make a 1963 split window Corvette disappear?" And he looks at me like he's curious, like, you know, what are you talking about? I said, you park it right next to a 1913 Bugatti and nobody even sees it. <laughs> I said, so, so I, yes. I said, look, yes. you got a great car. I'm just having some fun with you. I'm not trying to dish your car. It's a yeah. phenomenal car. I said, you just picked the wrong parking spot. So I, he says to me, I said, do you have any other cars at home? And now usually when you have a 63 split window Corvette, the, the answer is yes. And he says, actually, now he doesn't know me. He says, actually, I've got a car that has a story. This is going to go back to the tire kicking stage i said yeah tell me what car you have that has the story he goes well i have a 1957 chevy bel air and i'm thinking well that's somewhat common or quite a few of them he says but it's still hmm. uh, on the original tires and it was in a museum its whole life a little old lady only drove it on some sundays hmm. Twenty-one thousand original miles so when i showed that car and did that video if you went to my car story with Lou, original tires you could pull that up on youtube and uh it tells the story of this car that's on the tires from 1957 now we did not drive it for obvious reasons but yes, I, but if yes. I would have, yeah i don't know i don't know if i'd want to be kicking those tires right yeah so to your point steve if i would have kicked those tires there's a high level yeah. of hate that would have came over the youtube channel so i don't kick anybody's tires i don't pull off any knobs when i'm you know inside yeah. cars how yeah. many miles do you get out of standard issue tires on a new car now what's, oh, what's man. a rough What's a rough estimate? Is it like yeah. anywhere Mark from thirty to fifty thousand? 
Uh, I'd say minimum you should be getting fifty thousand minimum, and mm. even sixty to seventy thousand. If you do a lot of like highway driving, um, they should probably last longer than stop and go. But yeah, easily fifty thousand miles on a on a new set of modern tires. That, that that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize today is that we're kind of living in a golden age of of cars. Even though we talked about the fifties cars being so cool. Um, the cars that you buy today are, they're not entirely maintenance free, but they, they, they need much, much less maintenance. They last much, much longer. The tires last longer, the engines last longer. And when you can buy a car like a Dodge, um, Hellcat challenger Hellcat with 707 horsepower from the factory and you get a warranty, that's pretty amazing when Mm -hmm. you think about it, because and they're basically saying, you can take this car to the track. We want you to take it to the track. We want you to drag race it. And it's just, that's just unbelievable. And, that, and that's that's only one car these days that has 700 horsepower. There's a whole bunch. I mean, BMWs, Mercedes, Aston Martins, uh, Ferraris. Just, I mean, there's probably 20 or 30 cars these days that have well over 500 horsepower as a production vehicle. I and mean, it's just unbelievable, yeah. you know, the, the, the age that we're living in. And, and the variety you can get, you can get everything from a little Ocado box to a hybrid, to a full electric, to a plug-in hybrid, to a gas-powered car. You can diesels, four-wheel drives, SUVs. I mean, it's it's really staggering, the, the, the variety of stuff that we have these days. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great time to really be a car guy. It really is. It depends on what type of tire you buy. I mean, yeah. for example, okay. the tires on my Viper last about 15,000 miles. The tires Cause on they're my, soft. Yeah, because they're soft. The tires on my Explorer will probably last 75,000 miles because I'm driving on the highway most hmm. of the time. So so I hope that helped. But what were you saying, uh, Steve? You're talking about the – you asked something about the fastest. I wanted to – because you mentioned the track. And, you know, some yeah. cars are just begging you to take it to the track. Have you or Lou really uh, kicked it out and driven a car? What's the fastest you've driven? I knew we were going to ask that question. I was thinking about it yesterday. Honestly, I was. Um, And actually, probably the fastest I've ever driven has not been on a track. I've done a little bit of of what's called high-speed autocrossing. It's not wheel-to-wheel, but it's when you're on a racetrack. And Lou did this recently, too, where you're on like a two-mile road course, and you're going one at a time, so you're not wheel-to-wheel racing with somebody right next to you. But it's as fast as you can lap the track is, Mm. you know, how fast you dare to go and you'll get cars there on a, on a track like that. You might be, you could see speeds 120, 130, maybe 140 mm. in a back stretch. Fastest I've yeah. ever been in a car. It, it's not that impressive. Probably about 140. Um, oh, that's impressive. <laughs> that doesn't impress me. I have, I have my Porsche will do 175. My Aston will do 186. That's Jeez. my fastest car right now. And honestly, there's really no place in the U.S. that you can safely, other than a track, and even then, you can drive a car 186 miles an hour because just to get up to that speed takes a little bit, and then slowing down takes a while, too. That's the other thing people don't realize, that when you're going that fast, it's it's an incredible sensation because stuff is just flying past you. And when mm. you slow down, let's say you're going 150 and you slow down to even half that speed, it feels like you're crawling all of a sudden because uh. <laughs> even though you're still going 80, I mean, it's just, sure. you know, I, I highly recommend that if you guys ever get to do like a ride along on a, on a track somewhere with somebody that 
that's in a really fast car, you should do it because it's a great, it's a great thrill. And Lou's got some good now, stories with his Viper, I think. Now, but Mark, so, hey, Mark, Mark, I'm, I'm going to describe Lou's right now. You ready? No one is Lou. Lou is Lou is always in somebody's backyard or barn picking up something from forty years ago. I'm gonna say Lou's fastest speed is thirty five miles an hour. <laughs> my, 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 uh, just my because speed. just because of the things he's finding out there. All right. So so and and, yeah. and just for clarity, I video a lot of new cars too. So Okay, um, okay, okay, but, okay. So so the fastest I've driven has been in my Viper and that's 165. Um, oh, and I, I'm looking forward to taking Mark's Porsche out now that I know that it does 175. See if I can light that thing up. <laughs> but uh, I live way out west. I live in a town called Hampshire, and um, you know, uh, most people yeah. out here have F-150s. They don't know what a Dodge Viper, you know, they, they yeah. is necessarily. But so we, sure. so sure. so so some of the car guys out here will do that. And then the other thing, but back to what Mark just said. So I was at uh, uh, somebody contacted me from something called Extreme Experience, Extreme with an X, Experience with an X, and they allow you to drive their supercars. And this was at uh, uh, the Autobahn in Joliet, and they called me up and they said, Hey, Lou, we're kind of a fan of your channel. And I said, yeah, great. I'm glad you guys are watching the channel. They said, well, we'd like you to video one of our cars. Would you come on out and video one of our cars? I said, well, what do you have? And they said, well, we have a 488 Ferrari, which is 488 horsepower. We have a, a 458. We have a Porsche. We have, um, you know, and they went down this lineup of cars that that are, you know, uh, we got a McLaren, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. And what do you want me to do? They're like, well, you just drive as fast as you can. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice. I think this sounds like a good day. <laughs> so, uh, the short story is uh, uh, they don't let you drive as fast as you can right off the bat. You have to go around yeah. the track with a, with one of their instructors, and then you realize that you don't know how to drive fast at all because he basically makes you grab onto anything that's inside the car that you can hold on to. And then um, – uh, the good news to that question, Steve, though, is is uh, I, so I took one of their guys and I said, you hold the camera and I'll video the I'll, you know, you do the video and I'll drive the car. So they let me drive their Lamborghini Huracan, which looks like Huracan with it, with, with uh, but they call it Huracan. So I drive this hmm. around the track three times and we look at the video and the guy was got a beautiful video of the dashboard. He took nothing oh. else. So. I showed the manager, I said, well, this is a picture of the dashboard. So sadly, I had to take it around the track three more times. And um, <laughs> then after that, he said, uh, I said, can I try the Ferrari 488? So now they, they realize that um, I've been around the track a couple of times. So sure. the uh, instructor, who they, they have an instructor with you, uh, and you can look at it online because the video is there. If you go to My Car Story with Lou Ferrari 488 Extreme Experience, his quote at the end of my video was, Lou, you were probably one of the fastest guys on the track today. So, mm. um, yeah, so it's uh, – I'm just I'm just giving you the facts, Steve. This is, you know, this is a very factual <laughs> show you guys put out. I'm very, and, very impressed by that. And Lou was in, what, 37 miles an hour? Not 35? Uh, <laughs> just, just stick a one right in front of that 37. I think it was – I think the top speed was 134. Wow. Now, now, Mark, the reason why I mentioned that, I did see where Lou had found, I think it was a roadrunner in somebody's barn that hadn't been touched since like 1975. Is that right? Yeah, that's cool. Lou, yeah, that's I have, true. Do I, 
I have that right, right? That is absolutely right. Yeah. Two barn finds. And did you look in that man's trunk to see what was in there? I can't recall whether <laughs> oh, you did absolutely. that. Yeah, we, we looked at that. The, the surprise, and that, that goes to another car. By the way, you don't kick the tires on that one. <laughs> so I guess kick, you don't. My yeah, goodness. No, no kicking the tires on that one. So so the uh, owner of that, uh, there were two cars. Both of them were Superbirds. And the front end of the one Superbird was missing because that's what the Roadrunner you're talking about is actually a Superbird with a big wing on the back of it. And um, now, what, now was it was it uh, off, was it sold that way? Was it sold as a mm-hmm. Superbird? Yeah, I don't remember that for some reason. Yeah, um, they had pointy pointy noses for NASCAR. Richard Petty was famous for driving number 43 and and a big wing on the back end of them for aerodynamics. So this guy apparently had two of them wrecked with the front end of one, put a a Roadrunner nose on the front of it. Actually, I think it was a GTX nose on the front of it, but uh, which was the upgrade version of the Roadrunner. But, uh, yeah, these guys had brought this to Carlisle, Pennsylvania to their show. And, uh, boy, it was a it was a real hit. Then my personal excitement was they asked me, they said, Lou, would you like to drive it? And I thought, yeah. Yeah. So but I mean, I drove yeah. it and, I'm, you know, it's somebody else's car. I drove it literally 10 sure. miles an hour because I didn't want. Sure. To. Sure. I, I, yeah. I was not going to be the guy who blew yeah. the tires on. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Well, uh, Lou, you mentioned something that caught my ear a minute ago, and that was the Ford 150 truck. And it, it made me think something I wanted to ask you guys was that uh, when did this big shift in in America come to um you know, Ford, or not Ford generally, but I mean, pickup trucks and SUVs being the predominant car on the road. I mean, Ford doesn't even make, they don't even, they make the Mustang, but they don't make They sedans. make the Mustang, yeah, that's it. Um, I think it, it started when, um, at least with the SUV thing, it started kind of when the minivans were kind of starting to fade out. I mean, the minivan was a huge thing from like the mid-80s through probably about, 2000 yeah and right around that time um they started making the the crossover the small crossover suvs like the toyota ram 4 and that kind of just kicked off a whole thing like hey you know i have a thing that that has some carrying capacity it can have all-wheel drive but it's maneuverable and it's the size of a you know a car instead of a big honking truck but then howard you just said you know you're talking about the pickup trucks uh, Dan Neal, who writes in the Wall Street Journal, he did an article a little while back talking about, um, you know, how did pickup trucks ever get so large these days? Literally, there's some pickup trucks that you can buy off the showroom floor that stand up front. If you stand in front of their grill, they're almost like six feet tall. Oh, they're they're ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, and then you have, you know, uh, a suburban housewife driving one of these things in the parking lot at the Costco and you literally can't see over the front end. And he said he almost got plowed down by one because they're so big. Yeah. You need a step ladder to get insane. into it. It is. It's unbelievable. And, so the, it, and, and the way they're and the inside, I mean, they have leather seats. They got everything that a, that a oh, top yeah. line Mercedes has. What do they cost? Seventy eight thousand. They do seventy to eighty grand, easy, yeah, fully loaded, easily eighty grand, even even over that, and and even like a fully loaded uh, Cadillac Escalade, which is a, a large SUV. I mean, that can top a hundred thousand dollars right now, mm. and 
the reason why the car manufacturers love the pickup trucks and the SUVs is because they make major, major profits on those because the tooling and most of the the equipment has been paid for long ago, and they're not real complex because they're still body on frame, and they just make just tons and tons of cash on those things. So, I mean, Ford has had the best-selling pickup now since like 1973 or 74, and they sell like 700,000 of those a year wow. for 40 years. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And they, they sell like crazy out in the states where people have ranches and farms and things like that. You have the, the, the rural uh, populations buying those things like crazy every year. And consistently, they're just at the top. So, yeah, the whole, the whole transition thing, it just kind of happened, I think. The minivan started kind of losing popularity. They were dorky after a while, and people didn't want to be seen in them. And SUVs and, and crossovers were kind of like, hey, these are kind of cool, so let's do it, yeah. you know? And one thing I wanted to ask you guys, I was trying to figure out how what fast, you guys might drive. How, fa- how fast is Steve driven? That's what I want. No. <laughs> oh well, we know how he does in the parking garage, <laughs> yeah. so... <laughs> I want to ask you what's a Carmen Ghia for God's sakes? What? Yeah. That's what do right. you What do you drive, yeah. Howard? And what do you drive, Steve? I made it. You know, I but, love but, cars. I've had so many cars, and I've had a lot of cool ones and what have you. And I made a transition at some point, and I don't know why. And I, I'm I'm getting a new car in 2021. When I have somewhere to drive, and uh, I'm going to get some kind of an SUV. And uh, but I I made a transition into just you know, having a car to get me from point A to point B. Okay, uh, so an appliance. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and I've had this one for like six years, and people would be surprised. It's a sedan. It's a black Kia Optima. And it's got, really? Yeah. Okay. And it's got, yeah. you know, it's got everything in it I want. It's got leather seats, and, you know, it's very nice inside. And it's been a good car, but it's just a car. And, you know, there's nothing yeah. thrilling about getting into it, but I'm, I'm tired of it being so low to the ground. I want to get an SUV, mm-hmm. so I'm up in the air <laughs> yeah. and get something, yeah. get something a little nicer because I plan on doing a lot more driving. But that would, that would surprise people, I would think. Well, I, you, you have a love for cars, but it's not like it used to be, right? Is what you're saying? Well, Howard. Yeah, yeah, I have a love for. Well, I'm going to have a love for cars yeah. next year when I get when I get. I'm going to get a yeah. nice SUV. But yeah. um, it, it. I don't know. I was just driving so much to work and back, and work and back, and work and sure. back, and that's all yeah. I was doing. I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money. It didn't matter to me. So whatever, whatever I got yeah. in the car, I just, I was just thinking about going to work and what I had to do. And you yeah. didn't want to think about well, it. I mean, it starts every time you drive it. You're not putting a ton of money into it. Yes. And it fits yeah. your needs. Yeah. yeah. What, well, do you have? what do you have, Steve? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, my, I've had, I was telling Howard the other day, I probably have, have had about a dozen cars, okay? Uh, and uh, I loved every one of them, although most of them were used and didn't last long. But uh, mm-hmm. the car I'm driving now has a little bit of a story that kind of car I'm driving. Uh, about 10 years ago or so, I had uh, 
a little tank, I call it. It was a Volvo, a 760. Okay, yeah. Think. But it was yeah. a Volvo. Yeah, okay. And, and I liked that car. It was just a, it, it, I felt like I was uh, invincible driving around it. And maybe because of the ads that, you know, Volvo had those ads sort of complementing that feature of the car, that it was sturdy. But anyway, I'm, I'm looking for a new car, and it's a cold day in December or January, and it's icy. And the guy, I was going to test drive a BMW. So I, and he, we got in my car first, and then we rode around. I don't know what he was trying to show me at the time. And we got in the BMW, and he says, go faster. And I'm going, it's icy. Just go faster. And faster was, go, you know, take it up to 40, not 30. And so I'm going, you know, tentatively faster. And then he says, hit the brakes. And I hit the brakes, and it, mm, on a straight line, stopped. And he looked at me, and he said, your Volvo can't do that. That's why it's built like a tank. <laughs> and from that time on, I have been nothing but a BMW driver. I got really? used to the feel. I, I get used to the feel of the car. Howard, to tell you, I must have had, I've had a couple of five series. I've had a seven series BMW in the past. I've test driven other cars, but for some reason, I am just hooked on the drive of the BMW. There's something about it that, that uh, has captured me. I mean, the car I have now is a 2015 BMW 5 Series. I, I love the car. Okay. And it feels That's like I car. could just drive it. It feels like I could drive it forever. Yeah. <laughs> How fast have you gotten oh, up to? Oh, I think I pushed it up to 56, 57 miles. <laughs> no, no, no. No I, no, no, I don't think I've topped anything over 80. I mean, in 80... And we were talking about this earlier. You can go fast, and then at some point, uh, you don't even feel how fast you're going. But I think well, I exactly. probably have, have have done that on a highway. But that was uh, very a, easily could reach a top speed. Yeah, but that was in a school zone. So <laughs> maybe that was, maybe that was why I had the need to slow down. No, I've done that on on a highway. You know, without. Uh, any uh, mini car, I've done it before, and I think the the highest speed was eighty. But but that car, it was one that I just has stuck with me. Now I've had I've driven a Cadillac before. That's probably the smoothest driving car I've ever had. Now you're making me think of two other cars that I've lusted after, never had. When Loon takes that trip out to Arizona. Uh, I want him to look for a GTO. I always wanted a GTO, too. There's a guy I knew at a 68, I think, 67 blue GTO. And, man, that car was sweet. But uh, uh, a Firebird I've had, the, one of the best, my favorite car, aside from the BMW, was a Cutlass Supreme. Mm, that's a good one. The, 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 it's funny, too, the because Cutlass they Supreme. sold they sold millions of those things. You never see them around anymore. Yes. You don't it's see incredible. it. You really, I wonder no. what happened to the Cutlass Supreme. Well, Steve, uh, uh, when, I, when I first got when I first got to Chicago in 1987 or so, I had a Toyota Supra mm, yep. that I liked. Okay. That I liked That's a, lot. a good one. What year was What year was that one? That was probably like an eighty. 586, something like that. Yeah, that's, that's a good Supra. one right there. You don't see those many yeah. at all. No, no. You know, we can all go back, and, and you you can remember all the cars you had because it could, it could have been, a, you know, a piece of junk, but 
you might have some nostalgia about it, about the you know time period in your yeah. life or places yeah. you went in it or things you saw. Yeah. So, I mean, they're all special in their own way. Well, we a, uh, and, and we the a, other... The the other favorite card. Now, see what you've started, Lou and Mark. Now you're going to have to hear me go through the next hour of the, 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 every car I've ever had. But, but I think I got the Firebird. It might have been the first year it came out. You fell into two camps, I remember. There were guys I knew who liked Camaros, and there were guys mm-hmm. I knew who liked Firebirds. I had and a Camaro. I just liked the, I had you two, had a Camaro. I had two yeah. Camaros. Are you guys going to be really? able to be okay after this? <laughs> I don't know. This, after this, this is this Firebird guy. One guy's a Camaro guy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just to add fuel to the fire, I have a Firebird right now. So you, so you I'm do. In Steve's camp, I guess. Yeah. But you, but you see how those cars were similar. I have. They a, were similar oh yeah, in I the look, a, right? I have a, a '75 Firebird Formula 400. And it's mm. basically exactly the same as a 75 Camaro, except it's got a different front and rear end on it. And some of the trims are a little different. That's basically, you know, but you look at the car from the side and it's got, you know, the same shape because they were called F bodies. Yeah. And yeah, yes. but it's a cool car. Think, it's it's awesome. 70, I don't think the 75 Camaro came with a 400 option though. No, I don't think it did. Yeah. That's one thing I was going to say. Yeah, but, I didn't. Uh, they were both what, really cool cars. I mean, I didn't. I didn't dislike Firebirds. I thought they're really cool. Really, it came yeah. from from when I was when I was young, that my dad and a lot of my uncles and stuff were GM people, and that that mm-hmm. was the direction that I went at that point. That's exactly what what my dad was too. I think he owned one Ford in his life, and pretty much everything else was, was GM. And that kind of sticks with me for a while, too. And and just to, to show you that I'm in your camp, too, Howard, um, in 1976, my dad bought a brand-new Camaro. And I've talked about this on our podcast before, that he's probably the only one in 1976. And I kind of wish we had this car now because it'd be really rare. It was an absolute 100% base model with nothing no options. It had a six-cylinder, straight six-cylinder engine, a three-speed manual transmission. Mm. It didn't even have, like, full wheel covers. It just had the little dogfish hubcaps. I mean, it was like he ordered no options on it. And to get a car, to find a car like that today with no options is really something that's pretty rare. Total base model. And it was, I think it was like, I want to say it was $4,500, I think, brand new in 76. So, which is nothing today, but... Um, so I've been in both camps, so oh, yeah. I, guess, I guess that makes me. Well, guys, cool, we so. could. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. We could go. We could do two or three parts on this. We'll have you back on again, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. I'm going to make an embarrassing admission here before, and then Steve, you can jump in. But uh, I cannot drive a manual transmission. What? Isn't that sick? That's a rite of passage. Well, I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Wow. Uh, how do you think I got home in that Beetle once I bought it? You know what's funny? Uh, to me, it was funny. I bought that Beetle without really knowing how to drive a stick shift. And you should have heard the noises the it was making. But that's the best I car had to learn to shift on. 
because it's forgiving. It was very forgiving. And I remember if it broke down, you could push it easily and get it started again. But And you can start it, uh, too, yeah. That car, that, that car was screeching and scrawling and scrooping, and, and so jumping. was I in the inside. And jumping. Uh, but I learned by the time I got home, I, I actually sort of mastered the stick shift. Uh, I do miss. I don't have. I haven't had a car with a stick shift in a long time. Probably the Supra was probably that last car that may have had a stick shift. But uh, well, I, I, uh, I, I tried s- it, but I didn't own one, so I didn't have to master it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you find many cars now that have that as an option? Less and less. I think I think the last staff I read that. Something like ninety-five percent of new cars are sold with automatic transmissions, mm. and a lot of mm-hmm. manufacturers aren't even offering them anymore. Are only offering them in like one model just because they're what they call the take rate. It's just so low; it doesn't make any sense to offer a manual if no one buys it. You know, and it kind of kills. Re- yeah. It can go either way. It can kill resale value because nobody wants one, or if you're really looking for a manual, it can help. So it's kind of kind of a weird yeah. conundrum yeah. there on the use thing, but. I have two manual transmission cars right now. Lou's got the Viper with a manual. So we're in the, what you would call the three pedals, you know, clutch, brake, and accelerator. Well, I'll have to take that as a challenge here in my old old age and uh, see if well, I can. Look, why don't you look? Why don't you really challenge yourself? Get one with a steering wheel on the right hand side. Yeah, <laughs> then throw you, everything then, at me at once. Then, that that's right. That's right. I might uh, do that now. I you know I could like Howard said I could keep going and yelling out cars because um, I really. Uh, have an interest in in the in the older ones especially are there just to cap this off is there a car lou a uh, or mark both of you is there a car you're lusting after that you wish you could get your hands on okay i'll I'll try it i i i'll say that i'm just always looking you know Every now and then, something yeah. will just catch my eye. Like when I, I, I wasn't necessarily when I bought my 58 Impala. I've always liked that body style, and I've always liked that car. Sure. I wasn't necessarily yeah. looking for one, but I found one, and it just, it's kind of like, you know, when you find your, your wife or your girlfriend or whatever that you want to spend the rest of your life with, right. you just know that like, that's the one that you want, that particular one, whether yeah. it's the color or the whatever. And that's kind of what happens to me. Um, I'll just start thinking about a car and I might start looking at it and then I'm like, Hey, you know, I really want one of those. So there's a list of cars that I'm, you know, always contemplating, but I'm pretty full up right now. I just bought a brand new Dodge Challenger, which is a modern muscle car. So I'm having fun Mm. with that. And that's my latest, my latest toy, I guess you'd say. And sure. It's a 2020. It's not an old car, but it's, it's the best of both worlds because it's a modern muscle car, but it's got that retro style to it. And, um, I'm having a blast with it. So, um, you just never know with me. I'm just always, you know, buying and selling and looking and things like that. So, and I know Lou, I don't know. I've never really had a feel for what Lou is lusting after car wise. I'm looking for Batmobile number one. <laughs> the original, <laughs> the, the original, the original George huh? Burns Batmobile. It's in Arizona. Maybe I'll run into it this trip. Who knows? Uh, you know. Uh, hopefully, one day, if the YouTube channel continues to do well, uh, an Enzo Ferrari would be fun. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the dream car, and then uh, along with the Batmobile, and then uh, 
There's a car out there called the Gaylord Gladiator. So if you look up my car store, I think Gaylord Gladiator, I'll leave it at that. Gay- it's a one-off car. It used to be the Gaylord brothers. Their father came out of Chicago. He patented the bobby pen. And these, I'll call them rich brothers, decided to build a car. And uh, they made, it was going to be in production, but they couldn't get somehow it to work. And the car right now is in the Zeppelin Museum in Germany. But uh, that is uh, uh, known as the Batmobile and the Tuxedo. And uh, Hmm. it has a little bit of the 1967 Green Hornet look to it, Black Beauty, with uh, white stripes on the side and a convertible top. And uh, just really over-the-top, done luxury car. so these are some these are some magic cars that occasionally cross your path and i was lucky enough to i I think the thing that made me interested in that car was because i had to chase the owner so long to have him let me video it so he was Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's a doctor who was out in uh doctor was out in uh hawaii he had the car and he knew that i was interested in the car and then finally he agreed to meet with me and it was really just as special as i hoped it would be well, I hope there are some cool cars in your future. I'm sure that there will be. Uh, your podcast is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon and Lou Costable, thanks a lot, and let's do this again, okay? Sure. Appreciate it, uh, Howard and Steve. Had a great, had a great time. Thank you. It's always great to have Steve and Howard because I feel like they're in my living room. They've been in there so long. Yeah. You're trying to figure out a way to get us out. I was about to give him a Phoenix area uh, weather report, but I'll hold off. Uh, yeah, no, go ahead. Give it to me. What, what's it look like out there? Uh, well, I got to tell you, uh, uh, at this point, I don't know. <laughs> I have any any forecast that I would give you now would be partly sunny, partly cloudy, and partly accurate. So I I wouldn't rely on that. <laughs> Thank you. Have fun out. Have fun out west, uh, Lou. Mark, uh, it's been terrific talking to you, and uh, you've got me uh, wondering about my Carmen Ghia or my GTO or, or one of those things. <laughs> I'm going to keep. I, I'm. I'm. Um, I don't know if I'll pull the trigger on one of them, but I'm still. Um, you got me thinking cars all, all day Good. today. I'm sure. Yeah, great. that's great. Well, I all appreciate right. it. Yeah. Had a great time. See you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Yes. Uh, Steve, uh, obviously their yeah. their podcast is on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I wanted to mention real quickly, uh, this is the sixth anniversary this month that they're celebrating on radiomisfits.com ed silha and his group uh, and that's where we live so and this happens to be international podcasters day or international podcast day did you know that i didn't know that Uh, i don't know what that means obviously uh i don't know what it means all i know is if the phone rings uh, hang up if it's a woman named Carmen Guillet. Uh, yes, and she is. Uh, yeah. She's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to yeah. go hit the road now and get out of my car and uh, get out in the uh, clear blue skies and uh, see where the road takes me. You do the same. And get another, yeah, get another pair of long pants while you're out. Okay? I will. Hey, our executive okay. producer is Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Yes. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. This is distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits, celebrating their sixth anniversary. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com.
All right, Steve, hit the road, Jack. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Volpi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. We'll talk about the upsets that took place. Leicester City and West Ham with big wins on the weekend. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Losano Los and Friends... Here's what you missed. Edsilla, the president, is here. The guy that's in charge of the whole network. So we have to be good, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so far. So what's going on with the network? Anything exciting? We have a, a thousand shows. I mean, there's a lot of them. We have a lot of shows. Yeah. Name the worst show on the network. Go ahead. <laughs> say it to his face. Just say it. Say it to his face. Yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 would, I dare anyone to find a bad show. There, all... there is not a show on this network that yeah. I'm not proud of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lausano or whatever it's called. Is this over? Yes.